Good morning, Good morning. again, Good morning. Living Word Baptist Church, and uh, everyone who is listening. Welcome, and I hope you came to uh, praise the Lord and learn a little bit more. And uh, as you know, we're in Acts chapter 2, 41 verses, that's a lot. Most people like to preach on one or two verses, or three or four maybe, but 41. But when I was looking at this, and I wanted to break this down, I was going to... It all fits together. I mean, it's all... It's important that that it, these 41 verses go together. Amen. And this is about the Holy Spirit. The songs you heard this morning are about the Holy Spirit. And it's about sharing. Now our scripture about Pentecost this morning can be broken down into four parts. I'm going to give you those parts. Um, the first one, the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples. That's in the first four verses. The second part, speaking in other languages. That's verses 5 through 11. The reaction of the Jews in Jerusalem. That's just two verses. You know, you had some that were amazed, some that were scoffers. Verses 12 and 13. And then Peter's response to the Jews. That's the long portion of this. Verses 14 through 41. Now, since it's 41 verses, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, we're going to be here until tomorrow. You're right. No, you're not right. <laughs> it's not. So, Pentecost was held 50 days after Passover and was a celebration of the Ten Commandments being given to Moses. By the way, the word Pentecost comes from a Greek word meaning 50th. That's what it means. And if you look at the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible comes from similar, uh, similar word. Uh, but this was one of three major feasts that the Jewish uh, people had on their calendar. And when um, it was time for this, for Pentecost, the Jews would come, if you, could, if you could make it to Jerusalem, they would come to Jerusalem. It's uh, on a pilgrimage, you might say. Now, Pentecost, this particular year, that particular year, occurred 10 days after the ascension of Jesus into heaven. Remember, Jesus rose from the dead and he was here for 40 days. Then he ascended. We cannot be sure where the believers in Jerusalem, uh, where they were in verse 1, but they were all together. It says they were all together. You know, in the previous chapter, we saw that uh, Matthias was uh, chosen to replace Judas Iscariot. Okay? Scripture tells us that all 12 of the apostles were there. It it clearly says it, that that they were all there. But, what about the other 120 that was with them? We don't know if if that included the 120, but it only specified the 12. Uh, so, but if all the rest of them were there, it would be, you know, include 
you know, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers and sisters, and roughly 120 people that had already been mentioned. In chapter 1, Jesus had instructed the believers to do what? Not to leave Jerusalem until what? Till the Holy Spirit came. Until they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. This promise was fulfilled when the Holy Spirit suddenly came from heaven like a great wind. And the Holy Spirit filled them and they began to... uh, I'm not sure exactly how these tongues of fire or these flames... It may be a lot of theologians believe that their faces just glowed, that the, that the glowing, like you remember the burning bush? The bush was burning, but it wasn't, burn, it wasn't being consumed. And so a lot of theologians believe that, you know, because the Holy Spirit, that was the same sort of look that they had. And as they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to speak in other languages. What do you suppose they were saying? I can tell you. The scripture tells us what they were saying. They, they were talking about, they spoke about the mighty works of God. Amen. They were talking about God. They weren't talking about the sandwich they had for lunch yesterday. They were talking about God. His mighty works, His power, His great deeds. You find that in verse 11 where it says that. Have you ever had... Have you ever learned something or found out something that you just couldn't wait to tell everybody? I got a new job. I got to tell everybody. Oh, what a, I got accepted into this school or that school. I remember when Diane was accepted into Murray, she was so excited. Now it's all work, right? <laughs> I remember when Stephanie um, was expecting each one of our children and, and both times I got three children but she was only expecting twice because you know I got a set of twins out of the deal so <laughs> but I was excited to tell everybody hey we're going to have a baby and then hey we're going to have two babies at the same time Ooh, imagine that anyhow but I, was, I couldn't wait to tell people now, I think that, that every person in here has had that experience. Can't wait to tell somebody. I know, <laughs> now this isn't, not, might sound sexist, but it's not. Not in my mind, anyway. So, when women get an engagement ring, what do you do, women? Come on. Hey, look what I got, look what I got, look what I got. I've seen it a thousand times, maybe more. It's exciting. It's good news. You want to share it. I'm a little concerned about people, though, who can't wait to share bad news. Three o'clock in the morning, phone rings. Hello? Your Aunt Susan died. Okay, what do you want me to do about it? It's three o'clock in the morning. You can't wait till eight when I get up? You're up, so you want me to be up. No, you got bad news. Wait till in the morning. Don't call somebody in the middle of the night. They can't do anything about it. Okay? Y'all got that? Especially me. Now, if you need me to come down to the hospital, that's different. I'll do that for you. 
But if you just want to tell me because you want to share bad news, don't call me. All right. Maybe this is the way it was. In fact, I'm sure that that's the way it was with the disciples. They couldn't wait to share the good news. Jesus died. Ooh, that's bad news. They didn't want to tell. They were sequestered. They were afraid. They thought that they were going to be next. That's one reason Peter denied Christ, right? He won't get in trouble. But when he rose from the dead, woohoo! Things looking up. And then when they got the power of the Holy Spirit, they were off and running. Like, all right, I gotta tell everybody. I mean, they didn't have, I mean, they wanted to tell everybody. They were out there blabbing their mouth to anybody that would listen. Are we that way? About Jesus? They were so filled with the Holy Spirit and the joy of the wonderful news they couldn't keep it to themselves. I've seen people who came to Christ that was just like that. Can't wait to tell people. Can't keep it to themselves. Want to share the good news. Want to pass it on. Right? Want to pass it on. Had to share it with everyone. And the Holy Spirit gave them the ability... to speak to anyone and everyone in their own what? Language. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Now some theologians believe that the upper room is where all this started and it may have, I don't know. I wasn't there. But I've always pictured the upper room, you know, where they had the the Lord's Supper, they had the Passover Supper on the night Jesus was betrayed. Everybody understand the night Jesus was betrayed? I didn't explain that to anybody. Okay. All right. So I kind of figured it as not a large room, but, you know, not not a particularly small room, but not a... A, that big of a room. Maybe it was big enough to hold 120 people. I don't know. From wherever they were, whether they were in the upper room when it started, I personally think they were in the upper room whenever the Holy Spirit came upon them. But I think that as they spoke, that God gave them utterances and they started talking and it just kind of grew and it sort of spilled out into the street or on the sidewalk and they're talking to people as they're coming by. Next thing you know, there's a large crowd out there and they're listening to all these people talking and they're talking in their languages and, hey, these are Galatians. These are the rednecks of the Jews. They stupid. They ignorant. They're speaking in their language though. In those days, people from the province of Galilee were considered to be uneducated and generally they were looked down upon by everybody else, all the other Jews. <clears throat> now from what's in the scripture, we know that at least 15 different languages were being spoken. 
and probably many more since the Jews had come in from all different areas. <clears throat> and there were more than 15 languages. It would appear that one of the disciples could talk in the native tongue, in their native tongue, to anybody he came across. He could speak Greek or whatever. I'm going to tell you something. Mastering another language is not easy. But to hear people from Galilee speak all these languages must have been an amazing thing to those who heard it. Now some people, like I said in verse 12, some in the crowd was wondering what all this meant. They were amazed. They were trying to figure out what was going on. How's this happening? Then others, in verse 13, probably Pharisees or Sadducees or, you know, the upper muckety-mucks. Like, oh, they're drunk. They got to be drunk. They they, They have some new wine. Now, when I was preparing this sermon, I thought about that a while. And I thought about it some more. And then when I figured I thought about it enough, I came up with a solution. And that is this. It makes no sense to me that being drunk gives you the ability to speak a different language. Because if it did, I would have got drunk when I was down in South America. I would have been perfect Spanish. I don't drink, by the way. never did. That's probably why I can't speak, you know, but very good, not even English. So, but explain that to me, Lucy. How does that, getting, being drunk, makes you understand how to speak another language? The Jews were grasping at straws. They were trying to deny the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's still going on today. So, uh, of course, to these, a lot of these Jews, like the Pharisees and Sadducees, and since Jesus picked on the Pharisees, it's fair for me to also. You know, they considered any other language outside of like Hebrew and Aramaic to be barbaric to be babbling. They kind of accepted Greek because they had to. Because that was the language of commerce. Okay. But everything else was barbaric. Maybe that's where they were coming from. I don't know. Now Peter defended the integrity of the believers by reminding the crowd that it was only 9 a.m., And according to custom, it wasn't even late enough in the day to have a drink, much less be drunk. So he had to remind them of their own customs. He went on to say that the prophet Joel had foretold everything that was happening. And he went went down through what Joel had written. Today we remember Pentecost, you know, that... 2,000 years ago. As we remember it, what does Scripture say to us about it? 
Is Pentecost relevant? Is it, is it important today? Or is it just a footnote in history that means nothing? It better mean something to you if you're claimed to be a Christian. So, is the Holy Spirit still present? Is the Holy Spirit still working? Is the Holy Spirit present in us? Do you feel His power? At least every now and then? I'll give you an interesting fact. Did you know that Acts 2 verse 3 is where the flame and the symbol of the United Methodist Church comes from? That's where that flame. Have you ever seen United Methodist Church and it has that little flame thing? That's where they borrowed that from. That's where they got the idea from to use that. The Holy Spirit. It's also the Methodists who evangelized most of the western United States. Amen. They're the ones that had those circuit riding preachers out preaching. Boy, they have gone a long ways down from there. Amen. That flame the Methodist Church used to have has gone out. Amen. It has been snuffed out by the evil of false doctrine and the acceptance or adoption of worldly standards instead of biblical standards. Let me get back to my point. Many people, if not most, are not comfortable sharing with people who are not Christians. It's easier, it's easy just to come to church on Sunday morning, sit, maybe sit through a Sunday school class, maybe sit and listen to the pastor ramble on, looking at your watch, I got it, I'm hungry, is, is he going to be through yet? I know what you're thinking, I thought the same thing before. Or come on Wednesday night, spend a little time, and then move on. I've done my, I punched my ticket. <clears throat> so when you, get to, when you get to heaven, you can say, look, Lord, I punched my ticket all these times. I was in church every Sunday morning and every Wednesday, and that don't what gets you there. That don't, that don't. So what don't, so why don't we tell others about Jesus? On a regular basis. Sometimes we mention it here and there. I think it's because we don't want to get out of our comfort zone. Thank you. Do we? Everybody likes to be comfortable. Perhaps we are too comfortable in the Western world to share Jesus. Are you too comfortable? Or are you too afraid? That reminds me of. <clears throat> You know, I like to show back to the future. You know, and uh, what's his name? McFly? Not Marty. His father says, I can't stand that kind of rejection. I don't think I can stand that kind of rejection. Is that why you feel? Is that why you want? Is that It makes you uncomfortable to be rejected. It does everybody. But they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting Christ. So don't take it personal. You know, I read an article a few weeks ago about church growth. 
It was talking about Christianity is growing by leaps and bounds in third world nations, the fastest growing group of Christians.